Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. The world needs to hear your message and your story, so don't deny the world of that gift within you that the universe has given you. Someone out there needs to hear your story because it will support them in feeling hope, inspired, and even transformed. Do you want to discover how I help get my clients out of their own way, show up, and confidently share their message? I would love to extend an invitation to you to join me in my free masterclass, Start Your Own Podcast from Idea to Implementation, on Wednesday, April 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find the registry link in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Heather Markell. She is a full-time travel and business coach, a best-selling author, and a TEDx speaker. Welcome, Heather. Thank you so much for taking and making the time to be here with me today. Thank you. Glad to be here. And how are you doing today? I am wonderful. Thank you. How about you? I'm doing well, thank you. So, I'm really excited to jump in. So you are all of those things. You're also a professional world traveler. I forgot to put that one in there. (laughs) How long have you been a full-time travel coach? Well, in more or less two years, when the pandemic happened, I was stuck in New Zealand. I know, don't feel bad for me. (laughs) (laughs) It's very lucky. And so that's when I started realizing, you know, there's this travel bubble. It's going to burst and people are going to want to do this. So I started trying to get ahead of the curve. I didn't even know there was such a thing as a travel coach. So was this something that you created and kind of made up that title for yourself? Or do people, are there others out there who actually do this? So I made up the title of full-time travel coach. Okay. And there are other travel coaches out there. And I think you're going to see more and more of them. What I perceive the difference to be is that a travel coach would work with you more if you wanted, say, a meaningful vacation okay, and help you plan different experiences that you want, Right. whereas I'm very much working on a lifestyle transition. So, so, so take- people who want to like permanent, like go on extended vacations then is what you're saying? Well, it's not an extended vacation. And in fact, full-time travel is very different yes. than vacation. Yeah. But it's people that want to trade, you know, the full-time work life for the full-time travel life. And that can be, because now that remote work is finally acceptable, that can be keeping your job. But for many people, they might want to take a sabbatical, an adult gap year, just go and experience the travel for a while. And so I'm about helping them shift their lifestyle to be able to afford it and do it successfully. Digital nomads, we'll call them. Well, that's one yeah, segment. Yeah. Not everyone works when they're traveling. Right, but right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Now, you started out as a world traveler first. You call yourself a professional world traveler. How did your <laughs> professional career come about as a world traveler? Can you speak about what facilitated this for you, how it unfolded and progressed into making traveling your career? So, you know, I worked in corporate for over 25 years. Okay. And I was in sales and marketing and customer service. And I did the the daily grind like I was supposed to. And at some point, I just realized, you know, this does not speak to me. And of course, I was 
taught by everyone around me and, you know, society that I'm supposed to stick it out till I retire and a job isn't supposed to make me happy. It's supposed to just pay my bills. <laughs> and I did at that point, I became a certified coach. I started doing my business coaching. I actually started out earning myself with the business coaching over my corporate salary. And I thought I was going to quit my job, my day job to do that business coaching. But eventually I just sort of burnt out. And, you know, it took me about 10 years to get the courage up. And to be honest, pain was really my catalyst to shift my life. And I don't recommend that if you can avoid it. But I, I basically felt a, a pain in my chest in January 2017. And I knew then that it was emotional pain. Right. And emotional pain that we don't deal with becomes physical pain. Yep. So I just decided that's when I committed to quit. But at the time, I really thought I was taking a career break. So I quit thinking I'm going to take like six months. I'm going to see the world and then I'll come back to real life and get a job. <laughs> real life in air quotes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Real life is in air quotes, but since we're on audio, I yes, you couldn't Yes, <laughs> But you felt them. Yes, I did. <laughs> but yeah, so then I just eventually went all in and... At the time, you know, it was just, I thought it was going to be for a year after that. <laughs> and I'm about to start year six. Wow. So, yeah. So I have to tell you, there's navigating full-time travel is a, is a job in itself. Oh, I have no doubt. <laughs> so, yeah. So I just called myself professional world traveler because, <laughs> you know, I found ways to get paid while I do it. And doesn't it sound good? <laughs> it does. It sounds awesome. So this is a great segue. So I'm going to assume, obviously, you would just pick up jobs in the countries that you were traveling to. How long on average would you stay in a country? I guess that also is dependent upon how much you enjoyed the region you were living in, staying in. And how would the whole job market work as you traveled? I mean, did you tell employers that you'd only be working for a short amount of time because then you're moving on, you're traveling, you're in transit? Like, how did that whole piece of that work? So actually, right. So in fact, when you go to another country as I'm basically a tourist, yeah. when I go on a tourist visa, you're not allowed to work. Okay. So I can't get jobs oh. with employers there. When I was in New Zealand, I was lucky I called immigration and they usually, if, so I have my own business okay. and I, I do travel writing. Right. So, and I'm and the, the structure of payment and taxes is such that some countries will allow me to work there, you know, in my businesses, but like New Zealand said, the immigration said, you know, you can't solicit new business in our country. Okay. So as long as I wasn't trying to compete with citizens of New Zealand, it was okay for me to do my work. And I happened to meet a lovely woman out at dinner one night. And I mean, just as a friend, and she took me in for a few nights and she is a successful business. And I, you know, I told her that I, my career path and I ended up helping her with some marketing work. So you know, that was okay. And you never know when you're going to pick that kind of stuff up. But for the most part, it's my own business and picking up, um, picking up work as I go. And then the travel writing, of course, yeah. is, is the direct parlay. And how long I stay in a country is a blend of things. I mean, first off, you're only allowed so long, okay. pandemic aside, right? Yeah. So if I'm coming in as a tourist, Depending on the country, as an American, I usually get somewhere between 30 and 90 days okay. on either without applying for a visa or applying for their basic entry visa. Okay. So if I love the country, I'm going to stay as long as I possibly can. And there are some places in the world where it's really cool because you'll get that 90-day visa. Mm -hmm. Then you can just go out to another country nearby 
for the day and come back in and then your 90 day visa starts. Again. That's what I was going to ask. Cause I've heard that before with Costa Rica is one of those countries where you can yes. do that. Yeah, exactly. I just met a gentleman like last week sitting on a bench in Uniqlo <laughs> <laughs> who, who happens to be an American living in Costa Rica. And he had come up here for some medical appointments, but he was just telling me that that's how he lives there <laughs> in Costa Rica. So. <laughs> so with people that do this, then, I mean, those that don't have their own businesses, they've either, I'm going to guess here, saved up a shit ton of money or, I mean, that would be the only, because they can't get jobs in, in these countries unless, I guess, they find jobs that pay under the table. So, you know, there's also the whole market of remote work, right? right. So if you don't have a business, you can actually go on many, many different websites yep. and you can actually get a, a project-based position or part-time work that's rem- and, and many employers are allowing you to work from anywhere. Right. So that is an option. Okay. But yes, a, a shit ton of savings would be helpful. <laughs> and also the strategies that we all use as we travel, for example, I know many people, and I've done a lot of house sitting, which is amazing. And some people are full-time house sitters. Wow. So they actually travel by house sit. Oh. So then you're paying nothing. Yeah. I also have tons of airline and hotel points, right? So I fly basically next to free a lot of the time. Right. And then hotel stays, like I was in Singapore, which is ungodly expensive. And I was able to use some, I had some Marriott free night credits. And I stayed in a lovely hotel in Singapore that was like luxury hotel for nothing. (laughs) So, you know, it's basically understanding the strategies of full-time travel to be able to cut down costs. Because as we said earlier, right, if, you know, this is very different than vacation travel. And if you try to travel full-time like you're on vacation, you'll be done within a month. (laughs) Tips, tricks, and hacks for for the trade. So I'm assuming then that you will also help your clients out with some of these tips and tricks and hacks to help them transition into this lifestyle. Absolutely, yes. But it's much more than just hacks because really a lot of people come to me because they know they want to do this. And it's so nice because when I did it, I was considered kind of crazy, (laughs) especially because of my age, right? This is something that, you know, 20 and 30 somethings do, not people that are over 40 or over 50. And now I think the largest growing group of people starting to live this lifestyle are over 50, which is awesome. But the thing is, you can know you want to do it and you can have some money, but you need to figure out so many things about how to afford it. Yeah. And so I'm really, and that is a much deeper conversation than just the hacks. The hacks are important. For sure. But setting yourself up to be able to travel as long as you want to travel in the style you want to travel is a whole other thing. Yeah, for sure. And so how did the transition for you happen from world traveler into full-time travel coach? It was sort of a natural segue. So I was certified as a professional coach in 2008. And, you know, you may know, like as a coach, I always find that as we grow and evolve, so does our coaching practice. Yes. So, you know, I started out helping people in career and then I was an expat coach for a while because I've also, as well as traveling full-time earlier on in my career, I was an expat, like living in other countries. And then from the expat coaching, I became the business coach and I love business coaching. And also here I was sitting in New Zealand, realizing that I had finally had the courage to quit my job. I had two of the most amazing years of travel under my belt. And now all of a sudden, the one thing in the world that I couldn't do. (laughs) So, you know, after I had like cried and had my pity party, I was like, 
you know, that's when I woke up to, like I said, that this is a bubble waiting to burst yeah. and I've got coaching under my belt and I can help a lot of people figure this whole thing out. And that's when I started mapping out, you know, the programs that I offer and my coaching. And I actually started a podcast I had for a while interviewing other nomads over 40 who had left stable income to do what, what I was doing. And so, yeah, so kind of grew and evolved from there. Now, what lights you up or inspires you the most about the work that you do? I think it's, I've always loved conversations with people who have a very clear goal or desire, but think, you know, they've, it's on some level, they've already been talked out of it. You yeah. know, the normal life or logical scene people have explained to them why this is bad and whatever. And I just love that I can talk to them and it's like a spark gets lit yeah. and they're like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> you know? and it's that watching that spark come to life and burn brighter and brighter that I think is what I most enjoy about what I do. Yeah. And on the flip side of that, Heather, what would you say is one of the most challenging parts about the work that you do? I think, I mean, there is a lot of sacrifice that is involved in what I do. And that can be both stuff that can be relationships that can be, that can really go across the board. So it's challenging for me, but it's also challenging like when working with someone and, you know, you kind of realize, Oh, got to figure this out. Yeah. <laughs> and, and in a way, I think the stuff is easier. It's that as you go along, sometimes relationships shift a bit and that can be really challenging. Yeah. And, you say that you wander the world, but not because you're lost, but because you're on a purposeful path to help others find their destiny as well. Why have you decided to make this your personal and purposeful mission? Well, I believe, so before doing what I'm doing, I'm sure you've had the feeling at some point or multiple points in your life where you hear your heart and your heart is calling you to do something yep. and your head goes, shh makes no sense. No, no, no. We're not doing that. The ego's there to keep you safe. Yeah. So that was me all the time. Yeah. And then so for me to quit and travel was, you know, my heart speaking to me, my head presenting all the reasons that there's no way in heck we can do this. It was that moment I told you when pain became my catalyst to change that my head and heart started working together. And that's one of the most powerful experiences I've ever had where, you know, my heart would throw out the voice of, well, I want to do this, but I know we can't afford it, you know? And and then the logic that I expected to agree said, well, what if you get even wealthier because you had the guts to do this? And that puts you, (laughs) and I'm like, what? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So... There was that and the this feeling of divine presence, which is another thing I don't think I would have had if I didn't do what I'm doing, which and what I mean by that is in normal life, we're so stressed out with all of our earthly concerns or helping other people or our family or work or whatever it is. And to have this moment where you suddenly realize that you're experiencing, you're looking at a scene and you realize it's beautiful and you smell it, you see it, you suddenly realize that there's no mental chatter in your brain. Yeah. You're actually fully focused on this moment. <laughs> <laughs> that is unbelievable. And I think that's all part of what feeds the purpose and like wanting to 
continue that path for myself of following my heart and being divinely present and offering that to other people and, and helping them get there. What a beautiful gift to give to people. Thank you. There's definitely been a shift in career culture. We've talked about it and you are living proof of that where they now say that people will have multiple careers in a lifetime. And we hear that all the time as well. We hear the term digital nomad as we've mentioned it and then full-time traveling and all of these things. What are a couple of other factors that are contributing to this shift in their career culture that we're now seeing, do you think? My guess is that people just got fed up. I mean, it's funny, what maybe not funny, but poignant in that when I quit and I started traveling, I didn't expect the first year to be so introspective. And I felt like I was doing this brain dump of all of this sort of societal conditioning that had been in my brain that I had no idea was there. And so I reached a point where now before I quit, of course, I thought there has to be more to life than rotting at my desk and waiting for retirement. Yeah. And there's just got to be more meaning and purpose. And I think what happened with the pandemic is that everyone else started waking up to that same thought process. And, you know, do you want to be remembered for being a really hard worker? <laughs> or do you want to be remembered for something that has more meaning to you? And, there, you know, for the people that actually do want to be remembered as a hard worker, great. That's awesome. And, you know, there are many people that love the corporate culture yep, and, you know, for sure. and great. And, but the point is they're there because they love it. Yeah. And, you know, it feeds them. Beautiful. But for those of us that it, that's not the case, you know, being able to at least have the experience in life, whether it's for, a, you know, a, a season or a long time or whatever, it doesn't matter. Because I think it's that, like, I feel like this is very much what, causes this it's very much a buildup. i don't think it was a single thing yeah. but you know you've got like the there was the book i forget what it was called about the five biggest regrets people have when dying yeah and then you have eat pray love yeah and then you have a sequence of things that has got people thinking and then you have the pandemic and it's like whew, well i mean in a way i think the pandemic allowed people to actually take action for sure on all that pent up whatever <laughs> So, and I think that's been a big catalyst in many ways to drive change and that the change is about, I want to work remotely because I want to spend more time with my family yeah. or I want to travel before I'm too old to be able to enjoy these things. And now I can right, be based in another country and see it while I'm also working. What a great equation. Yeah. Because people typically will say, oh, you know, I'm close to retirement. I'll do all my traveling then. Well, how do you know you're going to be alive? Why put that off? If that's something you really want to do, don't put it off. Do it. Now is the fucking time to do it. Well, and it's more than that, though, because it's not just are you going to be alive? Is the world going to be alive? Yeah. Is the world going to be in a condition yeah. where, you know, with natural disasters, politics, economies, like there's so much change every day. Yeah. And look at, oh, by the way, last summer I was traveling through the Balkans and I was going by bus and I had wanted to get to Turkey. That was my goal, but I just, I did, ran out of time, so I didn't go to Turkey. <laughs> and, you know, and now it's like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so when will they be recovered yeah, enough? Exactly. You know, yeah, exactly. So, you know, don't wait. Yeah, exactly. That, that's the message, right? Don't wait. Just do it. Yeah. I want to speak a little bit about your journey into the world of being a TEDx speaker. That is obviously a dream for a lot of people out there. Was this something yes. that was a bucket list item for you? 
Yeah, it kind of was. I love speaking yeah. and I want to do more speaking. And I thought, well, having a TEDx could open doors for more speaking. And yeah, it's just something that I want to have on the resume and, and do it. <laughs> so yeah, actually. And, and it's funny in my corporate life, they were looking for TEDx speakers <laughs> and I could have done it, but I thought, oh, you know, at that time, I think I was also doing my business coaching and I was like, oh, I don't know if the two worlds, I don't know if they should mix and I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't do it. Uh, maybe I should have. I don't know. But Well, you got it done anyway. So that's all that yeah. matters, right? Yes. And so how did this opportunity come about for you to share your story on that red dot? It was I think it's a year and a half journey. I actually took a coaching program to learn how to do a TEDx talk okay. because what I didn't know is that TEDx talks are dramatically different than, you know, if you, if anyone out there is like a keynote speaker or speak to sell seek speaker or anything like that, where you're kind of like laying out, here's my agenda. I'm going to cover these topics. Yeah. Here's the topics. This is completely different <laughs> and it's very hard like really, really difficult, mm -hmm. <laughs> brought me to tears actually. And I got some training in how to do it. But then in a way, what's even harder than the training is getting the talk because the application process is a whole beast in itself. <laughs> so that was like a year of applications and figuring out which TEDx would be appropriate for me and, yeah. and then trying to make relationships with people. And yeah, <laughs> so it was very daunting <laughs> and I'm glad that I'm done with the, at least, at least the first one, maybe, you know, yeah. I'm sure I'll do a second one someday, but I'm glad I did it. <laughs> now your TEDx talk was called the benefits of living nomadically. Can you share a little bit about that concept and what some of the benefits are? Yeah. So they told me to have like a broad title, but in many ways it's about the benefits of living nomadically after 40 Okay. because I really want to inspire people like me who, you know, you get to a certain age and you are wanting different things and society will tell you you're having a midlife crisis. And what do we do about that? Well, we've got therapy and we've got medication. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, I think full-time travel is a much better way to do yeah. it. But anyway, you know, that's one, you know, and the benefits are just, there's so many, like, you know, discovering yourself. I really thought I was going out there to see the world, but I actually discovered and continue to discover myself in the world. And there are these moments where I don't know about you, but history was never a very strong subject for me right. in school. And just like, cause reading a text, a flat book with pictures, it's like all the dating apps where I'm like, how am I supposed to swipe right? Yeah. It's like, a flat, you know, so it's the same thing. Like I didn't take any, information in, or I took some in, spit it out on the test, and then I don't remember much. But, you know, I was just in Sarajevo and like stood on the spot where Francis Ferdinand was assassinated and now have the image of that in my mind, along with it's three dimensional, along with the story of the carriage that was riding right down the street, to, you know, it brings history to life yeah, in the present. For sure. And it's, that's amazing. So, you know, and there's a lot I think there's a lot more parents that are actually world schooling their kids, which I think is so valuable because what a way to learn about history. And also another huge benefit to me is look at the world we're in today. I mean, there's so much crazy stuff going on. And then we naturally, because if we stay in one place and we're fed stuff from the media, we form all these opinions and beliefs and judgments about other places yep. and other people. Yeah. And there's no better way to realize that they're all full of shit than for you to go to that country and actually start talking to people. And I have met mostly wonderful people 
everywhere I've been who just, you know, put to shame whatever stereotypes that I've had. I mean, Colombia was one where I just expected, like, I was going to be, you know, dangerous and all this kind of, you know, and I met lovely people. (laughs) I had such a wonderful time. I lived in Cape Town for three months, Cape Town, South Africa. And yeah, it is dangerous, I will say, but it's also full of wonderful people. And I created a community there. You know, so I think learning that the people of a country are extremely different than the government of a country is another really important lesson that we all need to learn. For sure. 100%. As mentioned off the top, you're a best-selling author. Can you talk a little bit about the book and what that was all about, what that experience was like for you? Yeah. So it's a compilation of 50 amazing women authors, and we each shared our story. I shared my story about, you know, how, like following my heart changed my life and what my journey was into following my heart and the traveling and what that's done for me. So yeah, it was a wonderful experience of, I've, you know, many people have told me to write a book and I will at some point write like a longer book, but this was a wonderful entry into the arena of writing and publishing a book and having an actual like copy of the book with my name on it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Multi-author books are a great way to get started in the world of authoring. It's a, it's an amazing experience. It really is. Yes. What do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's just one. Let's see. (laughs) I think creativity is a big one. I mean, I'd say it's sort of a convergence of creativity, intuition, And hope, you know, that just because we always need to like shift and pivot. And, you know, I know that the pandemic was this this huge pivot culture. But honestly, even before that, I think as humans, we're constantly needing to do that anyway. For sure. So I think as someone that is able, you know, obviously there are times that I'm sad and things aren't going my way. But then, you know, to be able to hold the course and just have the hope that, things will turn around. And then the feeling, my intuition that, you know, here's a new direction for me to go and the creativity to take that direction and create something that takes me forward, or I think what my superpowers are. And so speaking of success, how do you define that word? What does the word success mean to you? Probably it changes over time. You know, certainly in corporate, it used to be get as much money as I can and have, you know, big space and (laughs) be able to afford lots of stuff. And now it's about being open to realizing you might be wrong and creating friendships with people from all over the world, realizing that what I see might possibly not be what the truth is. (laughs) That's a can of worms to open right there. It is. That's a whole other podcast series. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think just being able to discover new places and have the freedom to create the journey that I want rather than having to follow someone else's journey. The pandemic has definitely opened up that opportunity for a lot of people, whether they're traveling. I mean, they may not want to travel, but it's still enabled us to connect and meet people from all over the world and form relationships and friendships with those people, which is amazing. Yes. For sure. I mean, the technology was was there, but we just weren't utilizing it for that because we weren't in that type of situation. But it has definitely opened up the doors for that, which is amazing, I think. I agree 100%. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after learning it? 
I think learning that it's okay to, you know, trust myself, have faith in myself and do what I'm called to do. Because before I did that, I felt very much stuck, literally stuck in the wrong life. Like I was trying to make other people happy. I was trying to live up to other people's expectations of me. And I was just very unhappy. And since freeing myself from that, you know, now I realize like I have a choice. And I think it's that really that power of choice that I didn't recognize before that is what fuels me now because, you know, I can choose whatever I want at any moment. And I think now I realize if I'm not having the experience I want, I just need to look to my choices and figure out what I need to choose differently. And it's very empowering. It's such a freeing feeling for sure. Yeah. An unleashing, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Heather, who in your life has had the biggest impact on you and why? <laughs> do you know when you <laughs> do you know the answer <laughs> that immediately comes to my mind is Wonder Woman? <laughs> <laughs> hey, if that's the person that um, that did that for you, then I think that's amazing. I, it's really weird. Like I don't know. I mean, Wonder Woman, Xena, Warrior Princess, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I don't know all these kick-ass <laughs> all these women. Badass women, yeah. Yes, like I just I don't know. I think just the idea of being like a warrior, protecting others, being strong. They definitely had huge, huge impacts on my life. I think also like my mom, intriguingly, it's funny, though she's not a huge fan of me being gone as much as I am. And even when I stepped into this lifestyle, wasn't super happy, let's say. You know, she's someone that in her work life, which was, you know, the peak of her career was, was years ago back when, you know, really the boys club everywhere. And she became the vice president of her department at a time when I think for women, that was very rare. She's a badass Um, in her own right. Yeah. And so I I think the, you know, and I reminded her recently when she was, you know, kind of, we were just talking about my lifestyle choices and all that. I said, well, remember, like you were the trailblazer too. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So yeah, I think she also had a big influence on me. Love it. That's beautiful. Heather, what is your personal motto? (laughs) You know what? Actually, my new one that has come to me since traveling is it's a lot easier than I'm making it. I think we tend to do that to ourselves. We all of us tend to do that to ourselves quite a bit at some point. I can't tell you though how many times I'm like sitting here like Every expletive, like we've only said a couple of years but every expletive under the sun, we're like, I can't fix it. Yeah. And then I just stop and I say, this is a lot easier than I'm making it. Yeah. And then for some reason, I just figure out, oh, like there's the little lever to open the box. Yeah. There's the, you know, whatever the thing is, it's just, it always is easier. Yeah. We are our own worst enemies for sure. Yeah. Because we get in our own way all the time. It's just so easy to do. It is. It is. And we need to learn to train our brains to not do that. Yes. Brain training 101. Yeah. Is, yeah. I think we need a brain, like a advanced brain training yes. class. Yeah. <laughs> what does the word empowerment mean to you? It's a great question. I think it's free of limitations that you believe are imposed on you. So it's about feeling that you are responsible and the creator of your experience. Okay. And that you know that you can take the actions that you want to take 
to create that experience. What is one lesson that your career has taught you that you think everybody should learn at some point in their life? Ooh, I think that money is not the end all be all. I really used to think it was. And I thought the point of my life was to make as much money as possible. And it's so much more rewarding. It's great. I mean, money's beautiful and may we all have enough of it. But I also think that there's just so much more richness to life than money itself. Experiences, I think, are f- worth far more than any value money holds. Yeah. That's an important, that is an incredibly important lesson to learn. And I think that societal conditioning, parental conditioning, corporate life, all of these things teach us that, that money is the be all. Money is everything. As you said, when you were in corporate, success to you was money. Yep. So there you go. That's it right there. Well, and you know what the worst is, of course, success was money and I never felt like I was being paid enough of it. The more we get, the more we want. Yeah. Okay. We're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions just be one, two, three word answer type thing. Okay. Okay. What is your biggest pet peeve? Oh, lack of integrity. What is your favorite self-care practice? Sleeping late. (laughs) Who would you like to be stranded on a desert island with? Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Wonder Woman. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Enjoy your life to the fullest. What's one thing you want but cannot buy with money? Love. How would you describe yourself in one word? <laughs> wow. <laughs> we have the word. Let's see. <laughs> okay. Super energetic, fabulous, colorful. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That's awesome, Heather. And that concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. What's something surprising you've learned about yourself in the past year? I'm trying to think of one thing. I have to say that my resourcefulness always surprises me. Like maybe it shouldn't anymore, but just somehow that I'm able to you know, find when I'm lost, so to speak, and that doesn't mean necessarily directionally, that I'm somehow able to find a solution. Love it. That's a very important skill set in life. That's for sure. Yeah. What challenge in your life has shaped you the most, would you say? I think that the feeling that I was caged and trapped in a life that I had to live and then breaking out of that, so to speak, cage Okay. I think that having to live in that, you know, perceived cage for so long definitely shaped my life. What is one of your biggest failures or we'll call life lessons or teachable moments? And what did you learn from it? Mm. I remember a talk I gave, I put together a program for the school and I gave a talk and it was just a big fail. Like it just, the whole thing didn't resonate with the audience. I could feel in the moment, I, it was just not right. There was just the energy was off. And I think I learned a lot from that experience about sort of being mindful of who the, who your audience is, but also who the right audience for you is, because you might be able to know your audience, but if it's not your intended audience, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think you have the same impact. Yeah, And also just compassion about, you know, that others experience is not the same as, as yours okay. and taking in information differently and making room for that. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? Oh, I'm going to have to say Wonder Woman again. I knew um, it. 
would honestly, I would be sitting down with probably a woman out of like a fairy tale or a, you know, or a superhero for sure. Because I just think they think on a different plane, yeah. literally, of existence. And I want to hear their take of, you know, what's their life like? And what can I learn from them? You know, they have the power to fly. What do they, you know, yeah. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> it seems like it'd be a really interesting discussion. Okay. If you could go back, Heather, and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Fuck it, do it. <laughs> Pretty much. Plain and simple, right down to it. <laughs> no pulling any punches there. Yep. Lastly, Heather, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, your corner of the world, your tribe, your people, your ladies, your your peeps, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? I would be hoping to inspire people that, you know, to learn that each of us is here to do something very different than everybody else and to step into whatever that is for you and realize that some people will support you and some people won't. And even that doesn't matter because what's most important is that you have the courage to be you, (laughs) whatever that is, be you, be as big a version of you as you can be and just enjoy your experience and make sure that you're creating that fulfillment and meaning and purpose you want for yourself. Beautifully said. Great way to end the interview, Heather. Thank you so much for taking and making the time to be here with me today and share with us a little bit about your story and your journey and the beautiful light that you're putting out into the world. I appreciate you and I'm so grateful to have you as a member of the Empowerography community. So thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Heather Markell. She is a full-time travel and business coach, a best-selling author, a TEDx speaker, and a professional world traveler. Thank you so much, Heather. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. Thank you. You too. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.